0: WFYI podcast brought to you by Bloomington, Indiana, an American college town offering food and drink, college sports, outdoor activities, live music, cool art, and good times daily. Everyone is welcome in Bloomington. More information at visitbloomington.com. As long as there are final exams, there will be prayer in schools. That quip has shown up on bumper stickers. It has found its way into cartoon strips. It even served as a punchline in several speeches by President Ronald Reagan. For some Hoosier lawmakers, however, the ability, or inability as they see it, of public school students to express their religious beliefs in the classroom is no laughing matter. They think students of faith are being discriminated against and, backed by various church groups, they're pushing legislation that would explicitly allow such students to pray, incorporate religion into their artwork and homework, and wear clothing, jewelry, and accessories that feature religious messages or symbols. Now, opponents say students who want to express their faith already enjoy broad legal protection thanks to the First Amendment. Hi, I'm John Chuanis, and on this edition of Indiana Lawmakers, we'll look at the debate over faith in the classroom. Let's begin with this legislative update from WFYI public media education
1: reporter Eric Weddle. Prayer in school? The topic is not that unusual at the Indiana State House. In 2013, a top Republican senator sought to have the Lord's Prayer recited at the start of every day in public schools. That didn't work out. Now there is strong bipartisan support for a bill that would clarify prayer and religious expression in schools. Here's co-sponsor Representative Lloyd Arnold.
2: There is nothing in this bill that is mandating anything.
1: House Bill 1024 would protect a student and parent's right to open prayer, wearing a religious dress or jewelry, and other types of expression in schools. It also requires the Attorney General's office to write example policy about religious expression that schools can choose to adopt, but some still don't support it. Representative Ed Delaney says there's no need for the bill.
3: Which is not here because of public demand, not here because of necessity, not here because our churches are in trouble. It's here so that some can send a message that they are pious,
1: But Carmel High School senior Mary Carmen Dekryzak says it is needed, and a controversy she became involved in shows it. Students of the Carmel Teens for Life made a poster that says 3,000 lives are ended each day and replaced the word
0: abortion with adoption. School administrators took it down after some called it offensive. I think if I had had a bill that protected religious freedom or religious speech that I could show the administrators and say, look, our club has the rights to put this up, I think that they would have taken it more seriously. Um, But also, even aside from our pro-life club, I think that this bill is going to do great things with students who want to pray in school or who want to wear cross necklaces or jewelry and are still being discriminated
1: against. This debate will surely continue. For Indiana Lawmakers, I'm Eric Weddle. Thanks, Eric. Back in a moment with our weekly roundtable
0: discussion. Indiana Lawmakers from the State House... To your house.
4: Purdue startup NeuroVigor, renewing hope for people with chronic diseases like MS and Parkinson's by targeting neurotoxins, helping people, changing lives. Purdue Research Foundation. Contact innovation at prf.org.
0: Usually, State House debates involving Indiana's public schools focus to some extent on the three R's reading, writing, and arithmetic. This session, however, lawmakers also have devoted a fair amount of time to parsing what could be described as the three P's prayer, proselytizing, and politics. Joining me to discuss the issue are Democratic Representative Terry Gooden of Austin, Democratic Senator Mark Stoops of Bloomington. J.T. Koopman, executive director of the Indiana Association of Public School Superintendents, and David Sklar, director of government affairs for the Indianapolis Jewish Community Relations Council. I thank you all for being here for this discussion. And in the interest of full disclosure, we should point out that as we tape this, as luck would have it, the Senate is poised to vote on this bill. So by the time this airs, I don't have the gift of prophecy, but uh, we don't know exactly how it will turn out. Some folks may
3: disagree with that, John.
0: Well, that's... uh, (laughs) But we, we don't know how it would turn out, but even if it fails this session, you guarantee, I can guarantee, I do know it, I'm prophetic enough to know it will be back, because uh, right. it has been in the past and it will be again. So this is Very a pertinent good. issue regardless of the session. Yeah. We've heard it said <clears throat> by supporters of the bill, and you're among them, mm-hmm. that this somehow fights moral decay and encourages good behavior. Is, is
5: school prayer? Well, really? Even,
3: even above, if you want to put that above what I'm getting ready to say below that level, it's all about individual freedoms and personal freedoms, giving people the ability to do the move forward and, and, and practice what they preach or practice what they want to live. So really it's all about individual freedoms as we move forward,
0: John. I think that's the whole basis of the book. And that, that certainly a lot of the conversation has been, been about freedoms and the notion of being free from discrimination. Mm-hmm. But again, I, is it compelling argument to say that if people pray in school, if people have Ten Commandments posted on the wall, or if there are pictures of <laughs> Of a religious leader in the hallway that students have put up, that somehow that encourages good behavior. Well, I'll
3: always insist this though, John. If, as long as we have testing and as long as we have the rigorous curriculum that we've got, there's always going to be prayer in school, and this is going to be the definition is going to be how you pray. And I think probably the whole debate about this uh, is how people pray, and when we say that, is what religion are they, or what what sect are they of a certain religion? So I think really that's what it boils down to. I don't think probably anyone would disagree that someone or a child can practice their faith or should be able to practice their faith in a public setting and of course schools are public schools. So uh, as we move forward I think that's probably the crux of the old argument. I know a lot of times it's been shifted over to the fact that oh, we're going to turn you into Christians like they did back in the 15th and 16th century when the explorers came over and, and uh, tried to turn all the natives into, into good Christians. I think that's probably still the lingering History question is in the back of people's minds: Is okay, these folks are up there. The teachers are going to start uh, preaching. They're going to start speaking in tongues. They're going to do all these things. Uh, by the way, I'll preface this by saying I'm one of those Bible-pounding Pentecostal people, so I can say that. So, so they're going to start preaching in. And, spirit, you're, and, and your school superintendent. I'm a school superintendent as well. So, well, yeah. you, you speak with so, authority. I Well, guess, I don't on know about issue. authority, but I've got my own opinions. There's no doubt about it, which we all do. But so I think that's the scare that I think they feel like teachers and or whoever are going to start preaching to kids and I've, I've, I've not seen that. I've been in several different school corporations in my career and I know some very, very religious people, I hate to use that term, that's, that's a very generic term, but people who actually practice and live their faith and never have I ever seen anyone try to push their faith on someone else, no matter how religious they were. So, Well,
0: Mark Stoops, I mean, is this a recipe for, or I should say a contributor to good behavior
5: and, uh, and some sort of antidote to crime or delinquency? Well, there are a number of uh... Uh, reasons cited for promoting prayer in school and some of that was respect to the for the teacher drugs in school and and, and uh, uh, believing that prayer would solve these issues or or uh, I guess a more religious attitude in the schools would solve these problems i 'm not quite sure that is the cause of those issues um, and frankly I, I feel as if uh, this this move towards uh, just more religious uh, uh, presentation in schools is, uh, more has to do with framing the, framing the argument for a political perspective. So we have a, a base of uh, uh, religious people that will vote, tend to vote Republican, and I think it's more of a statement to that base than well, anything. Although
0: it's not lost on me that as we sit here, oftentimes when we take these uh, discussions, there's a Republican arguing one side of the issue and a Democrat arguing another side right. of the issue, and that tends to be the way a lot of issues unfold on the floor of the House and Senate. Well, it Not, is interesting You that guys this, are both is the, the author, and actually that? the
5: author uh, 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 is also a Democrat um,
0: in yes, this. The, and, 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 well, the only negative votes, at least coming out of the House committee, were were Democrats, but it wasn't unanimous. I think there was at least one Democratic vote to uh, out of committee to, to pass it forward. That's correct. So it, it doesn't necessarily break down along uh, traditional lines. Oh, and I've got, okay, I want to jump in as well. I want
3: to touch base with what Mark said as well. I don't think anybody disagrees where we're going. I think everybody's kind of got the same philosophy. We all believe in free speech and freedoms. But uh, some, one of the fallacies maybe of, of some things that's being said about this is going to, kids will be performing better now. You see there's so many more suspensions than there were 30 years ago. There's so many more violent crimes than there were 30 years ago in school and bad behavior. But I think what those folks are ignoring is 30 years ago, Schools would have just simply kicked those kids out of school and they wouldn't be there anymore. But now those kids are required to stay in school and school corporations keep those I'm kids. i want to make sure I understand. You're saying that there is a connection then between school prayer and. Well, I, and I think there, and as I'm going with this, is I think there needs to be more research done about that because those kids who we want to call them troublemakers in the past, uh, what schools did was they just kicked them out of school. So therefore they weren't troublemakers anymore, or at least at school. But now, those if there's troublemakers in school, schools aren't necessarily allowed to kick them out and send them home or do whatever. They, have to, they, they allow them to come back to school. So when they get back to school, then they may be a repeat offender in the school. And I think as we look at that, I think that's probably some of the historical perspectives we need to look at as we move forward and we start talking about the arguments that... It's, it could have, or it could not have, an impact on the behavior of students in schools.
0: Note to Legislative Services Agency: uh, You may be asked; they may be asked to draft a bill next session on getting rid of the troublemakers like the old school uh, <laughs> well, predecessors did. Well, yeah. maybe, just maybe. Yeah, Let's know. bring uh, J.T. Koopman in here. Uh, your association, you of course uh, work with and represent a number of superintendents across the state. I was looking at the, your priorities of the association for this uh, legislative session, and it was all over the board about accountability, transparency, compensation for teachers. I got out the micro- you know, my microscope or my magnifying glass. I didn't see school prayer on there. Is this an issue that, that your membership really cares about?
4: Well, our association didn't take a position on it. Um, we we also didn't testify for or against the bill uh, when it was when it was heard because we felt like that schools already were afforded those opportunities. Um, they already had the leeway of recognizing prayer and student prayer, especially initiated. And so we have Bible as literature in schools. We have many, many factors that are related to this that are already in place. Quite honestly, we didn't see a need for the bill. Um, So that's why we didn't take a position.
0: And and the author has suggested it several times in Mm -hmm. interviews and I think even on the floor and in committee that there was a clamor for this sort of thing from uh, school administrators who were seemingly confused about what they could and couldn't do. You're not if that's happening, you haven't heard about
4: it. No, absolutely not. And I think most most of us uh, have had school law, and you know part of that school law is uh, the constitutional part of what uh, schools can and cannot do. I think for administrators, part of the trepidation that they have is where do you draw the line? We we certainly know that there are the traditional religions, but what about the non-traditional religions or people that say I'm this or I'm that? You know, where is that line drawn, and when does it become disruptive, and when is it not disruptive?
0: I do want to talk about some of those things, because you can paint some pretty interesting scenarios and and what-if scenarios. David uh, Slar, his association didn't take a position or testify. Yours did.
2: We did. We uh, uh, opposed the bill. Um, We were happy to see an amendment uh, in the Senate Education Committee. At at this point, uh, we feel that the bill basically reaffirms existing practice. Uh, as far as religious accommodation in schools, um, you know, much to to JT's point. um, It's our agency's responsibility to sort of take those calls from parents when and they don't feel like what's happening in school is is, uh, is right. And to be honest, we don't get a lot of calls uh, as far as religious expression or religious accommodation. And what that tells us is that schools are doing a pretty good job. Uh, and really, we felt that this bill was was unnecessary at this point and um, uh, just, just reaffirmed existing practice that, you know, there is long-established precedent as far as what accommodation can happen in, in school for students um, but uh, you know, one thing that we advocate for is a strong separation of church and state. We believe it's what's allowed to <coughs> allow the Jewish community to flourish in, in Indiana and in the United States. Um, and so, what concerns us about the legislation is is what role the state, ultimately, and schools as a, as a representative of the state, is, is playing in this discussion.
0: And we should elaborate, perhaps, on what the Senate committee that, uh, did. You alluded, of course, to the amendment. And as the bill came out of the House, there would have been a requirement that schools provide a limited public forum, I believe was the the term, for prayer and these types of things make uh, accommodation as much as possible for students who want to engage in these activities. Prayer is still in there, but that notion of uh, required limited public forum is out. In your mind, Terry Gooden, does that... uh, uh, basically, nullify the thrust of the bill, or do you find that uh, Not necess- palatable change? Not necessarily,
3: John. I, I've got a little history with this uh, topic. As a matter of fact, this is I a, sense
0: you do from the earlier. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
3: from uh, I, actually when I met David, it uh, was probably 12 years ago or so. I'm the original author of the current language that language that is law now, where we have a moment of silence. We allow folks to to be able to worship in any manner they want to within that moment of silence. So, <clears throat> when we originally started that several years ago, it started out as prayer. The dialogue with the different religious communities when that came in, everyone has a different way they pray. So, does that mean that we're going to allow if a child believes that they're they're supposed to stand up on their desk and turn circles that's their praying? Are we going to allow that? So, there was a lot of issues that came into this, the unforeseen issues, as uh, J.T. had pointed out, uh, where what is prayer and where does that go? So, but I don't know if it's the the actual thrust of the bill is gone. If you still, if we, I think we're reaffirming that uh, there is in the state of Indiana religion of freedom and not necessarily religion from freedom. And I think probably the statement in passing this bill moving it forward it might even be more of a statement to say that Indiana we have a religion,
0: freedom of religion not necessarily from. And you would be potentially satisfied with that statement because again if this passes the Senate and it goes to conference committee where anything happens and often does we, I would have assumed that the author and, and those who were conferees assigned to work out the differences might have tried to get that component, that requirement back in. Yeah, you know?
3: and, but as, as, I, as I talk about this, John, my Bible tells me in all things moderation. So I understand that as, as an individual who may support the teetotal total side as it was, it was, uh, as it was uh, introduced. I also know that there's a, there's a middle, and I have to be moderate about that, and I've got to understand that there's people who have different ideas and philosophies. So with that in all things moderation, as we move forward, I'm going to understand that I'm not going to always get what I want so we can make sure that everybody's somewhat happy or not necessarily happy. I think the best, the best bills that we pass is bills that nobody likes, because that means usually that it's probably the right thing. So maybe that's the case with this bill as it
0: moves forward. And it, Senator, if it, if it is more of a statement Does that make it
5: more easier for you to swallow and for um, members of your caucus to swallow? I think as the bill stands right now, it's become a statement. Really, all that the bill does is protect religious expression in the schools, whether a student wants to write about a religious experience, whether they want to wear symbols of their particular religion in the school. And I'm assuming that would expand to all religions, say if a, a Muslim woman wore a headscarf. She would not be discriminated against, for instance, The part of the bill that was removed dealt with assemblies and, say, games. So you would have to, and and it was really not workable because what it meant was uh, the school administration would have to actually set up an ability for uh, uh, students of a particular religion to have a prayer service, for instance, in in an assembly, every assembly. And somehow they'd have to pick that individual and then that means that our other, and if you were not of that religion, you had the choice to leave. So I'm, I'm not sure how... Um, that would have been accomplished. Basically, in school, then you'd be excluding certain students from an assembly if they didn't want to participate in, in any given prayer. So, as much of a logistical challenge in your mind as anything, it, just it, trying to. My, uh, my question was, how does this work? How does this work in practice? Do they have to apply? And, and how does the school administration choose a particular person to lead that that service? And and what if there is a religion that they don't necessarily approve of? Um, I had an interesting uh, conversation with. Uh, uh, a person who represents many, uh, uh, you know, say a lot of um, religious institutions in the state, um, and and asked him, well, what if what if the Wiccans wanted to have a service in the middle of the the basketball game? You know, what would you say to that? And he goes, oh, well, we're, we're protected against that because there's this. Um, there's a reference to Indiana Code saying it's they can ex- they can uh, school can stop something if it doesn't fit within a moral or citizenship framework. Which arguably, could be open to interpretation. Right. I would. So. And the answer to the question is: Is the team winning or
0: losing at halftime when they do their? That's their right. Service? And I guess that's, <laughs> and if is, that's the case, you just you're then, overlooking then the then obvious. You pull out
5: all the stops, and you say whatever powers we can pull in. That's <laughs> well. You
0: you used a couple examples about different faiths, and when I, I've joked about. I I guess it's joking, but I think it could be a real scenario. You have the First Church of Cannabis, which was formally created here, I think, two years ago this month here in Indianapolis, which is, as the name suggests, devoted to the use uh, as a sacrament of of cannabis. And one would imagine, therefore, if uh, you were an adherent to that church, a nice big marijuana leaf uh, could be or a you know a joint holder whatever you call those things I don't know I, I don't hanging around. Uh, hanging around your neck is jewelry is that a scenario that could happen do you think well, see, JT that's,
4: that's where administrators walk that tightrope of what is disruptive and what is not what is a religious symbol and what is not and so you bring up an excellent point in relationship to the the Church of the Cannabis students would grab on that in a minute. And, and say, well, this is my religion. This is what I believe. You can't discriminate against me as a result of that. So therefore, I can wear this cannabis symbol on my T-shirt. Well, we already have language that indicates that uh, a lot of, of policies indicate that you can't have any references to alcohol, tobacco, or drugs and because it's uh, disruptive to the school environment. So is that going to be included as a disruption if that becomes a religious symbol? So that's the tightrope that administrators are going to have to to walk. And, and honestly, as with many other bills, this is probably going to end up as an attorney's dream, uh, because it's going to end up in court somewhere. And we already have uh, tons of Supreme Court decisions related to free speech, uh, and all of freedom of religion, all of these constitutional issues, and is it going to end up there? I have no way of knowing, but it could be pushed to that. And point.
0: That's probably a pretty safe bet too, because you're right. There's so much precedent with access to public facilities uh, if you're a private, if you are a religious group versus you know prayer versus displays of religion. I, Mike, I'm not saying uh, asking if your group necessarily would be uh, supporting a plaintiff in a lawsuit, but this is the kind of thing that you think reads litigation.
2: Well, I, I think that the I think precedent is actually pretty well set on a lot of these issues. You know, again, which is one of the reasons that we sort of felt the bill was unnecessary. Uh, what we actually argued to legislators was, particularly again, going back to this the section about the limited public forums that that came out of the bill. Um, we actually argued to, to legislators that that section was going to sort of be the basis of of a lot of litigation, and I think actually sort of a lot of offensive litigation. Um, I don't think the litigation was necessarily going to come from you know, folks from the from the Jewish community or other minority communities, because again, we're pretty happy with with the. You think the first amendment yeah, we we as has been interpreted right, exactly. by the
0: Supreme Court for fifty years is is, that, has is pretty the well issue.
2: set and and address the issue. And and our you know parents of our our community members seem to be fairly happy about how things are happening in the in the public schools. So I think it was actually setting itself up for those that wanted to. Uh, force some religious expression or or, or force uh, force that particular issue that would ultimately have used that section of the bill to uh, to to force some litigation
0: and of course as the bill stands now it it would require uh, or I guess uh, instruct the attorney general to create a series of guidelines if you would a how-to manual maybe for school administrators Does that make sense? Because wouldn't that depend on who's in that office? I mean, Curtis Hill, who's just elected and just took office here earlier this year, very conservative. Uh, I don't think he would quibble with with the uh, characterization of him as a religious, uh, devout Christian. All AGs haven't fit into that mold. What happens in a, if, when somebody else takes office and they say, Well, I'm not backing this, we're writing new guidelines?
3: Well, I would hope that as we move forward, if this was the case, that the Attorney General just wouldn't take this on as his own burden. I would hope that he would bring in a, a multitude of people from different religious communities, all those different communities that they could find, bring those folks, set them at the table, and try to figure out what the best policy should be or could be as we move forward. So I would hope that he wouldn't take that burden and bear that cross on his own. So I don't think that would be a very good. Uh, very good decision on his part. So,
0: is it possible for human to come up with a uh, draft of guidelines that, that would preclude litigation and would satisfy all groups or at least make everybody angry? You said earlier, yeah. you're making everybody angry yeah. is just as good. But
5: I, I think the guidelines would have to basically accomplish what happens now in students that have uh, freedom of religious expression within the school uh, and uh, they can pray to themselves if you are. Um, if you, you can actually go and, and pray in a, in a separate room if you want. The, I think the biggest problem I see with this bill is that um, uh, in Indiana we have definitely a majority Christian population, probably 30%, 40% actively um, uh, practicing religion. Uh, and then we have other smaller religious groups. And, of course, that means that there's roughly half that don't really practice any religion in a, in a section of those that don't have any religious um, uh, feelings, one way or another, and this what this bill would do in it in its original form would have would have really excluded other students from participating in an activity that should be protected. I think within that school, you don't want to be isolating and excluding students from any part of uh, the school day, and that's to me that's what would happen. And I think it would be hard to write. Uh, specific specific regulations that really changed what we currently do uh, without excluding students and
0: i don't think we have any uh, majority muslim jurisdictions right now for instance but we don't have to look far dearborn michigan i think is now uh, majority the population majority muslim i mean is this uh, is is our demographics change is that another concern that the school administrators
4: would have that uh, The majority that may rule today may not be the majority that rules tomorrow. Well, I certainly think that you have to be cognizant of of all of those issues. And schools typically try to be uh, inclusive rather than exclusive. Uh, We welcome all students. We welcome diversity. As a matter of fact, uh, we try to teach about those kinds of things in our classrooms so that we have a well-educated citizenry that is accepting of all people.
0: And, in fact, this bill would, I should say, as we wrap up, I'm getting a signal here, we're about done, would, in fact, allow schools to have a course in comparative religion. and and
2: a lot of schools already do that, Um, and, you know, it's something that we absolutely... You know, support any time you can have a, a comparative conversation to understand the differences between religion is a, is a great thing.
0: Very good. Well, we will watch and see what happens. And uh, you didn't get to speak in tongues, but maybe well, after the, you know, after I was, the I was, taping. I want to
2: say this in closing, though. I think make biggest, it fast. Or, it? I
3: think the, big, the best part about this is not necessarily the content of the bill, but we're able to sit down and talk about it. We live in a nation and a state that we're I, able to sit down and discuss it and debate it. So,
0: I certainly I applaud that. It. I think we all can. Uh, again, thank you for coming and sharing your views on this topic. Again, my guests have been Democratic Representative Terry Gooden of Austin, Democratic. Senator Mark Stoops of Bloomington, J.T. Koopman of the Indiana Association of Public School Superintendents, and David Sklar of the Indianapolis Jewish Community Relations Council. Hey, get your cold beer here. Cold beer. Not so fast, convenience stores. The hot topic is cold beer on the next Indiana Lawmakers. And time now for our weekly conversation with Ed Feigenbaum, publisher of the newsletter Indiana Legislative Insight. Ed, that was a pretty civil discussion. Uh, what you expected?
6: Well, I think that uh, it shows you that it's not going to be a, a big issue. It hasn't been a big issue. It hasn't been a divisive issue this session. And it also shows you that they're almost bending over backwards not to make this into a, um, a real issue because it, it could have been one of those partisan issues. It could have been something that could have divided the parties along, along nonpartisan lines as well. And people have chosen to make sure that it's not going to become
0: that kind of an issue this year. And, uh, and that's presuming that we don't have the, the provision that so, was causing okay. so much uh, concern early on about a required prayer time. doesn't make it back in in conference committee. I guess then bets are off.
6: True. And, and if, if you look at who's behind the bill, you know, there, there are so many Democrats that are on the bill that, that you almost don't expect that to come back in
0: at, at this point as well. All right. Well, speaking of religion, let's talk about the end times in terms of at least legislative terms. Uh, we are getting down to the wire. Uh, what should we be watching for?
6: Well, obviously, the, the budget, and you've also got the road funding bill. Um, the, the budget made it through uh, committee on, on March 30th and is going to the the floor for this next week. And we're going to get our first real peek in, at the shape of things. And obviously, the, the road funding package is going to be a, a big part of that as well. But something else happened this week that I think is is pretty interesting. We, we saw the development of formation of the Millennial Caucus, seven Democrats, seven Republicans under the age of 40, want to tackle some of the issues that we've been talking about on the, the show for the, the last couple of years that seem to be transcending the, the partisan lies and, and transcending some of the, the traditional kinds of boundaries things that, that, that don't have real easy solutions, technology issues, and Uber and Airbnb, those kinds of things. And these legislators want to look at this in a nonpartisan way going forward. It's going to be a, a
0: big change for the legislature. Interesting. We'll wait for our millennial invitation. I think we qualify, don't we? Okay, don't answer that. Ed, thank you as always for your insight. Very much appreciate it. See you next week. For more information, episode streams, and other extra content, visit us on the web at wfyi.org lawmakers. You can access live streaming coverage of the General Assembly on the Internet as well. And remember, you can get our show on demand from Xfinity. Well, that concludes another edition of Indiana Lawmakers. I'm John Schwannis, and on behalf of WFYI Public Media, Indiana's other public broadcasting stations, and my colleagues at Feigenbaum and Eric Weddle, I thank you for joining us, and I invite you to visit WFYI.org for more Statehouse coverage. Until next week.
4: Startup Speak Modalities, helping children and families coping with nonverbal autism to develop communication skills, helping people changing lives. Purdue Research Foundation. Contact innovation at prf.org.